0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: Welcome to Take Me Home on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Angela Marcus. Thank you for joining us. So here we are. It's the last week in October, and I can't believe how quickly 2018 is flying by. Where I'm at in eastern Pennsylvania, the temperatures are dropping and the leaves are falling. And while it's one of my favorite times of the year, I have to say, and this is gonna sound a little ridiculous, (laughs) this is when I realize how very grateful I am for having a fenced-in yard for my dogs. If I had to get out of bed, get dressed, and leash up my pack of dogs every morning to go out, first thing, I really don't know what I'd do. I have so much appreciation and respect for the people who start their morning with a walk with their dog in these chilly temperatures. And that got me thinking, if I had to walk my dogs, besides being cold and miserable, it would be quite a challenge. My dogs are the farthest thing from trained. And I know, it's something I'm actually quite embarrassed about, but it's true. <laughs> so if your pups are anything like mine, you're going to appreciate today's guest. Joining us today will be Sandra Rollison, owner of Blitz Pet Professionals. She's a highly sought-after dog training professional. Professional, both nationally and internationally, and has had over 20 years experience training dogs. We've actually been friends for quite a long time, and she's been involved with dogs for as long as I can remember. She helped me in the past when I was still with the Pennsylvania SPCA with some challenging dogs that we had there. She's also helped train my my friends' and family's dogs, uh, specifically my grandmother's pit bull type dog uh, really benefited from Sandra's guidance. And judging by her Facebook posts and the pictures I, I see of her from time to time on other social media, she is definitely one of these people who gets up, gets outside, regardless of the temperature and Her dogs are trained. So I think you'll enjoy our conversation today. She's going to give us lots of information, recommendations, and tips, as well as tell us the story of Floyd, the dog she is currently fostering and looking to find a home for. We'll be right back with Sandra after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil, get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids, Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy 2, get 1 free at dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. Welcome back to Take Me Home on Pet Life Radio. With us now is Sandra Rollison. Sandra, thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background?
0: Uh, Well, my background, you know, I started out in bird dog world and how my family raised and, and trained German short hair pointers and spent a brief time there as a kid. You know, I was participating in those things and helping out in the bird field. And, you know, it kind of evolved into, you know, I originally wanted to be a horse trainer and a jockey. And now, you know, I think I was around 19 years old and I started Managing a very large kennel. They bred Akitas and Portuguese water dogs. And I met my men- one of my first mentors. I've had lots of mentors since then. You know, it's been going on 19 years now in the making of Blitz Pet Professionals. I started out as a professional handler, doing show dogs. Like I said, managing a kennel. I was also vet technician for about four years. I've done multiple jobs at one time and uh, started Blitz Pet Pros as a full-time dog groomer. My first mentor, she was an excellent show line poodle groomer and then I started opening up different locations and I, one day I, I think I ended up going past a, a canine facility and I went in there and I asked them if they had a groomer because I wanted to open up a, another location, um, another satellite location. And one day I just walked out there and I got to see some dog sport, what is, you know, I call dog sport, but most know it as the old word of Schutten or IPO, what it is now. And I'm a longstanding competitor regionally, nationally, and I've done some international competitions as a competitor in that dog sport. And I participate, you know, in all kinds of, you know, venues as far as, you know, I do my bird dogs and getting back into my bird dogs. I took a short leave with that, you know, and what's pet professionals, we deal with regionally within this area. We deal with, you know, the pet industry, we do some specialized grooming by appointment, I do some specialized boarding as well. You know, we're not a uh, full running kennel where, you know, just anybody can board a dog. We keep it very high end and very personalized so that, you know, I know every dog that comes into my home, they're really, you know, I mean, they're so adjusted and and well-trained that, you know, they can be part of my home and and my environment and not in a kennel environment, which, you know, I tend to cater to that, that type of client that really doesn't want the kennel like environment. And, you know, wants the family, the family type environment, but right now, I mean, as a professional, I, I compete heavily in, in dog sport and I full-time I've been full-time for, like I said, 17 years, but I me mean, in a nutshell, I mean, it's, it's dogs all day, every day, eight days a week.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I was saying before you joined us about how I, you know, I always am looking at your Facebook posts and, and there's just dogs all the time. And I was commenting on now that <laughs> yeah. the weather, now that the weather's changing and it's cold, I'm just like so grateful that I have a fenced in yard because I yeah. don't know what I'd have to do, like, or what I do if I had to walk my dogs. And, and not only because I, it'd be like cold and I wouldn't be happy doing it. It's like, my dogs are not even trained to be on a leash that well. So I'm so impressed cool. when I see your, your dogs and they're like, you know, leaping through the air and they're listening and they're doing everything that you ask them to do. It's just pretty impressive. So what do you think, if you had to say one thing, what is your favorite thing about being a dog trainer slash groomer slash personalized professional for pets, for all things pets?
0: Ugh. I would say it's, you know, when I get the phone call of somebody who's like, you know, thinking they made a mistake, you know, or they necessarily they're they've tried everything, right? They've had dogs all their life. They don't understand why they're having such a hard time with this one. And, you know, it's kind of like that challenging child that you finally have, you know, all the other, the two other before that were like pretty easy. And then that third kid that you have, you're like, what the, you know, (laughs) why is he so different? Right. Well, you know, the understanding is nobody should be too good to get help. Right. And so I love to get those phone calls where people need support. You know, and the biggest thing that my company and, you know, my students, we offer is technical support. It's not like 12-week programs or eight-week programs. It's like, hey, I want, you know, I want a long-term, I call it a, a membership, right, where, you know, you go to the gym, right? And if you if you pay into the gym and that personal trainer, I mean, you want to have access to that gym for a year at least, and, and that's how I always keep things going. And that doesn't mean, and people, they panic, they think, oh my God, you mean I'm going to be training with you for a year. I'm like, no, 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 no. But you can call me up at any time. If you have a question or you need me to come over or you need me to help you. I mean, I ended up becoming almost like family. Yeah. People call me Aunt Sandra because like, you know, I end up being the dogs groomer. Sometimes they call me up when they have a health concern and I'm like, "Hey, listen, I'm not a vet, but sometimes I have to tell them, yeah, I would get the dog to the vet right now," or I'd say, "You know, right. I have access to specialists." And like that's the thing. It's like I'm a huge satellite of networks. So people kind of look at it like, ugh, I don't even have a great analogy or a comparison, but you know, I like being able to support people you know, and they, they have a phone call for me. Some people, they can, they can compare me and say, man, she's tough, but she gets the job done. Right. Like anybody who gets a referral from me, they warn people like, man, she's, she's tough. She wants you to want it. You know, that's what I ask people. I'm like, how bad do you want it? Do you want this to work. And then there's sometimes where like people just need realisticness, meaning maybe it's not the ideal dog for their environment. Maybe they were given a dog and, and I hate to say it from a rescue that just wants to unboard dogs into the wrong home. They're incapable to meet the dog's needs or maybe they're just not mentally prepared for a dog that needs more stimulus or more activity or enrichment, you know, maybe they just needed the layback, laid the laid-back dog, right? And we fall in love with the story. And so I tend to you know, when people call me up, and I'm kind of leading into something else. But sometimes people need the realistic person to say, I don't think this is the ideal dog for your situation. And they need that, you know, because so much the veterinarians saying, oh, you know, you can make this work or, or their neighbors or their friends or their, 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 you know, family members are making them feel bad. So people feel sorry, you know, they feel like they're failing the dog or gosh, they don't want them to go back into the rescue or into a shelter. And, and gosh, that's, you know, I get it. We don't want the dog or we, it's the same thing with the foster program with children. We don't want the dog or child to go back into the system. It's the worst thing ever. To be recycled back through. But sometimes, you know, I have a perfect example. I mean, I had a a hound dog, a tree walker, and it was not ideal for them. It was a high, high velocity hunting dog. And I said to them, I said, this is going to be a lot for this dog to, to be maintained. And I said, you're not hunters. You're asking this dog to live and come down to your level when you're not able to come to his level. And so I ended up taking the dog, finding him a hunting home, you know, and ideally I'd like to find them a dog that does suit them. And it's right. kind of like, you know, when you go into a relationship, it either works or it doesn't. It should feel natural. You can't force a relationship or a marriage. It should feel natural, like I said, innate, effortless, right? I mean, sure, we all have our little, little things we got to work on and work through and, and adjust, but for all the better, right? So what I love best is changing people's worlds, sometimes talking people off the ledge or talking them back off the ledge, right? Yeah. People that want to say, I want to give up. And I'm like, this is not that bad you know, or (laughs) yeah, hang in there. (laughs) We can make sure. Yeah. Yeah, And trust and trust. The biggest thing is people have to trust one, the process, the program and their dog too Mm -hmm. many times, you know, I'm the second or third dog trainer. Sure. The first and second dog trainer just weren't at the level that they, they really needed or the people just couldn't commit. You know, so the big thing with me is I tell a lot of people is like, I'm, I'm gonna right away want to see change. And so I like to be able to change people, change people's lives, make everything conducive, right? Not unrealistic, but to the point where they're like, yeah, I don't know why I was so stressed out. This is actually not that bad. A lot of people get, they get stressed out about, oh my gosh, I gotta get my dog trained. Like there's something wrong. And I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong here. This is normal. Mm. This is, you know, it's like sending your kids to school. There's so many times people go, "Oh, you have a trainer. What's wrong with him?" And it's like there's right. nothing wrong with the dog. You just want better, or maybe yeah. he, you know, necessarily you're not meeting his needs somehow, and we got to figure out well why. What's go, you know, maybe the dog's that smart, and you're just not challenging him.
1: Well, I appreciate you. It's it's sort of encouraging to hear, and I'm sure it's encouraging for the listeners to hear that, you know, a dog that is getting trained or may need training is not a bad dog. They just need no. some assistance and they need some guidance. So, you know, we hear this term positive reinforcement training all the time. Can you mm-hmm. define that for us? What does that mean? And is it something that you use when you're training?
0: So positive only dog trainers out there and, and you know, the, the mythology about it is, it is exactly that, you know, it's a method. It is also, it's an ideology, meaning it's a one-dimensional form of dog training. Now, I'm all about, like, my puppies, from the time somebody calls me at 8 to 12 weeks old to 6 months old, I'm not really adding what people consider negatives or, or corrections, right? I'm controlling which is still not negative, but some of these more extreme, there's extremists, you know, there's the extreme positive only dog trainer that's like no leashes, no collars, no restrictions, and they just hope that the dog's going to want their treat. But what happens when you have a dog that doesn't care about food, right? Or necessarily has been so conditioned to overstimulate or over arouse. You have to be able, it's kind of like I use this, again, I'm, I'm very much about positive first channeling, shaping, marking the behaviors before I even add any type of adversive or pressure or uh, negative reinforcement. And people don't realize that you can get lots of positives as long as your negative ends positive. And it's kind of like a mathematical game. I mean, everything I do with people is like an algorithm. So I try to talk to people about percentages more than, you know, how many times did you reward him? Cause you could be rewarding the dogs still not learn anything. It's kind of like nowadays kids get participation awards. Well, that doesn't teach them to run faster to win the race. They just go, well, if I finish the race, I still get a reward. So, you know, positive only, I mean, like I said, it, it's it's kind of like, it's one dimension.
1: Sure. No, it makes sense. I I was just know, curious because, yeah. you know, I keep, I see so much talk about positive reinforcement and I don't think people really understand exactly what that means. So it's really yeah. a part of the bigger picture of training. So let me, let me ask you some specifics about training because we get these sure. questions, all the time, not only through you know what we do at getyourpet.com, but just you know, when you're the dog person in your circle, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. You too, you too sure. actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it happens to me too. But when you're like the dog person in your family or your friend circle, they're like, oh I have a question about what my dog's doing or what my dog needs and I'm gonna go to Angela or I'm gonna go to Sandra. So you know I want to just sort of answer these questions once and for all and and also make sure that I'm reiterating this to my friends and family when I get questions. Let's talk about crates okay what do you recommend the use of a crate if so how do you go about introducing a dog to a crate and when do you use it when do you not use it
0: so there's different people that are comfortable with certain types of containment right and this is how i look at it like our dogs are as evolved as a three and a half year old toddler mentally right not that's not talking about emotions mentally they really need us to create everything you know we have to say okay Here's breakfast, nap time, play time, lunch time, nap time, play time. You know, so that, you know, the idea of a crate is it allows you to have a safe place. So if you had a toddler and you had to, you know, you had to go to the kitchen and start making lunch, but you were up by yourself. I mean, out of sight, out of mind. It's kind of like, how are you going to create a situation where the dog doesn't learn bad habits? The crate allows you to isolate. Hey, rest time. It also, especially if you have a high working dog breed, you know, like, I mean, the Shepherds and the the bull breeds, I mean, they're working dogs. Even though people say, oh, they're just a pet. I get it. But they're still programmed to do work. So what it allows a crate to do is it kind of lets you as the owner isolate quality time. So it also allows you to keep things safe. I mean, we puppy proof a house. We baby proof a house. Right. We put on locks on the cabinets. We put on the doorknob knob you know, protectors so the kids can't open the doors. And, you know, I mean, we do all these extensive stuff for safety of a child, but people don't think about it for the dog. You know, they just think, oh, he'll figure it out. Well, yeah, a monkey's going to figure out how to get a banana, but necessarily he's <laughs> not going to know not to chew the cord, not to jump up on the couch and then jump off the couch and possibly break his foot or poop in the other room when you're not watching him. He, they don't know how to tell you those first six months. It's up to us to really create it. Again, pattern behavior. So if you can feed him in his crate, I love teaching my clients feed your puppy in his crate and they go really?" And I'm like, yeah. I was like it just makes it all that much more affirmative that it's positive. I also make crate time where there's a nice blanket in there, maybe some toys. Some dogs, if the crate's too big, they're gonna poop and water pee in one side and they're gonna sleep in the other. you know so you don't want a gargantuan type you know crate, but something that's not small and restrictive. The right size for any child, you're going to know the right size shoe for his foot, right? So the crate should match his size and necessarily like make it comfortable. Um, put it in the center of the home so he's not just isolated into a room or, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, some people put their dogs down in, in a basement and I'm like, well, that's kind of. You know, yeah. Who wants that? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know. So I'm like, put him in the in a place where he's not left out. And some people they talk to me about separation anxiety, right? And it, that to me, you know, and this is a whole other discussion, but separation anxiety is to me like a very broad description of many different behaviors. Does the dog not feel comfortable in his crate? Was the dog only put in the crate because you would leave? And so yeah, now he's like, well, no one's home. When I'm in this crate, I love to use the crate when I'm home Again, it's just like a baby. If I have to go take a shower, I'm going to put him in his playpen. I'm going to put him in his crib or I'm going to take him with me. I'm mm-hmm. not going to leave him to an unsafe situation. Okay. Makes- or to make those
1: mistakes. This all I'm like sitting here shaking my head, because this all makes so much sense. And, and when you break it down with the analogy of a child, I mean, we're all like, duh, yeah, of course, that makes much sense. And and how often do we say that, right? My dogs are my babies, my dogs are my children. Uh, So So we actually have to take a short break and hear a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back to talk a little bit more. I have some more questions for you. And we want to hear about Floyd's story, too. So just one second, we'll be right back.
0: Take me home,
1: we'll be right back with more great stories of lonely pets in search of loving homes, right after these messages. Stay tuned.
0: Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend, or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit pet party accessories. Party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow
1: ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats
0: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet
1: Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Get ready to meet your future best friend. Take Me Home is back, and there's a pet waiting just for you. Welcome back to Take Me Home on Pet Life Radio. Before the break we were talking with Sandra and she was answering all of our dog training and behavior questions and we're going to go right back into that. Sandra, can I ask you another question? I asked you about the crate and I heard you talk about the, you know, going to the bathroom inside the house. What is the best way that you recommend to train a dog to go to the bathroom outside?
0: Well, number one rule is, you know, going outside is where you should make the most positive influences. So, some dogs, you can initiate that positive influence by food. I personally don't like to link food with potty because most dogs will choose food over relieving themselves. So they quick run out. They might pee a little bit, but, and then they go and run to the handler and they go, okay, I want my treat. Cause they rush it. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to, spend that five to 10 minutes. I'm going to walk my dog on a leash too, because a lot of people, they think, well, I'll just, I'll just cut him loose. You know, maybe they have a fenced in yard. I'm like, that's great. But I want to teach him to go on leash so that maybe I'm at my vet and I got to catch urine. Right. I want to teach him to go when I say so. And it also allows me. So if I'm traveling and my, so many times, I mean, I come across people they are like, oh, my dog won't potty on a leash. Right. He feels too restricted. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the restriction of that is that if you travel or you move, or maybe you're in a situation where he can't be off leash, now what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. So I really spend that time and it doesn't matter if it's a puppy or a young dog or even an older dog that maybe is never, I mean, I come across dogs that have been on chains that have never really learned that channel of, of threshold. Because that's the thing. You're, you're teaching, you're teaching the dog to hold and then go when you say, you know, so when you go outside, you're like, go potty. Let's go. You know, pee pee, poo-poo, whatever. And when he goes, and you know, too many people they get too excited, you know, when the dog's finally peeing, and I'm like, easy, you know, just wait till he's done. <laughs> and then have so You know, then then have your party. I mean, again, I mean, dang, I mean, when he pees, let him know it. Good boy, yay. <laughs> you know, he goes inside. And this is what people they contact me and they have dogs that mark or pee in the house still, and the dog's over six months old or maybe even three years old. I'm like, ooh. That's a problem. Right. And I tell people, listen, this old school mentality of, oh, I got to catch the dog in the act. Well, you could be waiting all day for that. Okay. And again, but if you're watching your dog, you're going to know when he's got to go. You're going to go, hey, you got to go because you're going to see him sniffing or maybe he gives you a little look or maybe he whines. You know, so you not all dogs indicate either. Some dogs give you a look and you got to feel it. You got to be like, are you trying to tell me something? You know, it's kind of like, you know, your spouse across the room trying to like signal you. You got to be receptive to that. So I tell everybody, I was like, every dog gives a sign. We're just missing it. You got to find the sign. And in the same sense, this old school method of like, you got to catch the dog in the act. Like, listen, if I've got a kid with a red crayon and I know he's got a red crayon and I walk out of the room or, you know, if I leave him and I, again, as a human, if I'm leaving the opportunity to make a mistake, it's my fault. But secondly, if he makes the mistake, Okay, And this is where dogs, they don't understand generalization, meaning if he pees in the, in the living room and I'm in the kitchen and I come back in and I find pee, but I didn't see him do it, I know who has the red crayon. You know, It's like finding red crayon on your wall. You know who did it. Right. So you're just going to clean it up and not say anything? No, you're going to go, hey, Timmy, come here. What's that? Because I found it. So I <laughs> tell my clients, I'm like, listen, you don't let anything go unnoticed. I don't agree with people that say, oh, so you put his face in it? And I'm like, No. I just let him know, like, dude, I found that. Like, what are you doing? And then as (laughs) soon as after I reprimand, I don't care if I caught him or if I found it later. I don't care if it's even the next day. And people go, wow, really? And I'm like, listen, he knows he did it. He knows he did it. Yeah. He just knows you found it. But as soon as after I reprimand my puppy or my dog for the incident that he made a mistake on, I immediately want to make my negative positive. So I want to be like, let's go. Let's go potty. And I don't care. If we spend fifteen minutes outside and he finally takes a tinkle, that's a clarity. That's a yeah. huge bridge where he goes, okay. I got scolded for this inside, but I got praised for it outside. A negative now became a positive. So many people that want to team oh, and they want to go, no, bad dog, blah blah blah, and then they want to leave it there. People hold grudges. They go, oh, I'm mad at him. He peed in my house. I'm like, well, he doesn't realize a grudge. He doesn't know that emotional state. All no. he knows is uh, where you left it, and so. What's not clear is where he can make it better. It's like anything, you know. If I if my dog made a mistake, I'm going to show him, okay, that's wrong. I'm going to stop him, or I'm going to, you know, stop his mentality to return to that. But then I'm going to make sure, okay, hey, here's the better choice, and this is what makes me happy because gosh darn, dogs don't want to mess up. They don't come out of the womb going, how can I screw human (laughs) beings? Of course not. And they literally are like how can I make their life better?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So true. All right. So let me ask you one more quick question before we start talking about Floyd, because I am eager to get to Floyd's story because he's got quite a story. So when you, I mean, obviously, you know what we do at getyourpet.com, you know, my whole life and career has been dedicated to animal adoption and finding pets homes. But so many people say to me, what do I look for? in a dog when I'm thinking about adopting? How do I know what a do- which dog is right for me? And so if you had to, if someone asked you that question, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about adopting a dog and how would they assess that dog when meeting the dog?
0: Okay. So one of the things that I help a lot of people in doing, and I actually, I tell a lot of people to go to your site a lot, but I tell them to do some homework for themselves first, meaning it's not about the dog first. It's about them. What are they looking for? What do they enjoy doing themselves? Do they like nice leisurely walks? Do they like to hike? Are they a runner, right? What are their activities? Maybe they're the stay-at-home mom and they've got two toddlers and, you know, they don't have any real activity other than maybe taking the kids to the baseball games and soccer games. Um, So I I really want to understand what the client or what the, you know, individual is looking for. You know, mm-hmm. so many times people, they get set on a breed based on, oh, I heard they're really intelligent, right? I see it all the time with border collies, pointers, um, German shepherds, but that breed that doesn't meet them. Meaning they're not a border collie by nature. You know, like a, an older couple that the mentality of go, 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 go like a border collie. Mm-hmm. They want the intelligence, but I'm like, listen, you can have an intelligent dog and, and you can get a, a bull breed mix that's laid back. Maybe he's four or five years old. He's past that puppy stage and, and he'll enjoy books on the porch and, and TV in the afternoon and, you know, almost in that retirement stage, right? Mm-hmm. So I tell everybody, I was like, I want you to ask more questions about you, right? What do you like to do? What kind of personality are you? Are you a laid back person? Are you a forward person? Are you super athletic? Do you have young kids? I mean, you have to like ask those questions. And I tell a lot of clients, it's like, don't look at the story. Look at look at the dog that's in front of you. You know, there's also some temperament tests that I have a lot of people do. I tell them, listen, drop your keys on the floor, right? Sounds funny, right? Or drop something on the floor. I don't care. Make a noise. If the dog runs away, he's got flight. Right. And mm-hmm. also if social mentality changes, like let's say, you know, and a lot of people say, well, why would you, you know, want to startle him? I'm like, because life startles you. Okay. And if I have yeah. a dog that's got a nervous system issue, I want to know about it right away. Okay. There's everybody has a different nervous system. So sometimes if you, you know, make a big, loud sound, everybody's different. Some people jump and scream and they go, oh my gosh, it scared me. And then some people are like, uh, oh, what was that? like unnoticed I want the unnoticed dog I want the dog that like looks at the keys or looks at whatever maybe I drop my wallet on the floor and it makes a big thud and the dog just kind of looks at it and goes oh oh well you dropped your wallet or you dropped your keys and doesn't care about a stress or something that might startle him so I, I tell a lot of clients I'm like look at the dogs in front of you is he super excitable Well, you're going to have to ask yourself, do I want an excitable dog? Am I Mm going to be able to change this excitable state? Am I willing to work on the excitable state? Because everything can be worked on. But you also want to ask these questions of, is the dog good with other dogs? If there's, if somebody says, well, he's good with females for sure. No, for sure. You're going to have restrictions. Okay. So many people want to believe that they can make a dog like other dogs, right? It's kind of like people. I can't like everybody. Right. It's not unrealistic. So I work with a lot of people and I I teach them. I said, just because your dog doesn't want to be with other dogs, there's nothing wrong with him either.
1: That's so true. I mean, we all we all make the assumption that all dogs should be getting along. Right. But that's just not the case.
0: You know, it's a fecate, meaning, (laughs) you know, the whole socialization aspect is about everybody needs to be friends. Everybody, you know, they need to, you know, they need to play with other, other dogs. And I really deal with it too much where people go into rescuing a dog for the wrong reason, because they want a dog that can play with other dogs. And a lot yeah. of those dogs that are in rescue aren't those dogs No, because those people wanted that type of dog and it wasn't. So, so most true. dogs that are in rescue, they have restrictions. So I tell people, it's was like, Hey, if you rescued a kid from foster program. You know, they got some baggage. Be ready to carry yeah. it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's
1: really great advice. And I love how your answer to this question was not about the pet as much as it was the person. And it's, it's about you. Yeah, it's it really is. It's something we really need to look inward when we're thinking about adopting or bringing a new dog into our home or even a cat for that matter. You really need to think about what is your lifestyle. And, you yeah. know, one thing I one thing I wanted to call out here, too, just in case people are listening to this from all across the country. And obviously, you have such a wealth of knowledge. I saw on your website you do have like real time. I saw it says real time canine. And yeah. can you just, that's sort of so, like on-demand access to you and other people like you. Is that right?
0: Yeah, trainers. So Real Time Canine, and I am wanting to widen that spectrum. Like I want other professionals, and honestly, they, you know, they're on my level, meaning they offer the same spectrum of advice as far as like, and don't, don't be wrong, I have positive-only colleagues, okay? It's not like I don't disagree completely, right? But that can offer support for people like, Again, I mean, I can only answer the phone so much. I can only see so many evaluations. I can only train so many dogs a day. But necessarily, real-time canine is exactly like what we're doing. It is a virtual, sometimes it's virtual videoing, where I get to see, like, somebody that's introducing their dog to a crate. Or, you know, and they could be three hours away. They could be across the country. They could be right up the street, but maybe we just can't get an appointment this week. Right. But it allows us to have that it's, yeah, that it's, connection. It's revolutionary. Like it's like, you know, we can have like an online discussion and they can look at me face to face. I do a lot of consultations via uh, real time canine. So people, Very you know, cool. they sit at the appointment. We have the appointment scheduled. They prepay for it. And depending on, you know, I mean, sometimes they do it through rescues. And, you know, those are pro bono. I don't charge for them. And I want to see the dog and I tell them what I want them to do, you know, because I want to temperament test the dog and, you know, and I kind of do some, some situational things that's different. I'm very different than you know how you and I know each other. I mean, you would have me come down to Erie Avenue and look at dogs down there and the things that I would have been so
1: much easier if I could have just dialed you up on real time canine. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it would have yeah. saved, saved you right. a lot of driving, at least. Right.
0: That's what yeah. I mean. And that's what, yeah. I mean, I have a place down in California that they're always asking me about a dog. So some of the things that I would do with them, or I would come down to Erie Ave and see you for, I mean, the people that you worked with, they weren't doing these things, like testing the dog by its nervous system, seeing what its triggers might be necessarily, like that's what I want to teach rescue people about. Rescue has to get more knowledge in- looking at the dog in front of them instead of the story that I was trying to sell the story. And I feel like we lose shape about, you know, looking at the dog that's in front of us and what he needs first.
1: So let's, let's switch gears for a second because we're almost out of time. Um, I want to talk about this story. You have a foster dog right now named Floyd. He came from Maryland where two people were running an illegal kennel and they had I mean, I read the stories. I was horrified. This happened in in March. They're facing more than 40 counts of animal cruelty. Um, 49. 49
0: 49 counts.
1: counts. That's, I mean, crazy. These dogs were kept in just deplorable conditions. The, yeah. the the reports were that these dogs were emaciated. They were kept in this basement. It was just covered in feces. And and one at least one of the dogs didn't make it. I don't know about all the other dogs, yeah. but you, you've taken in Floyd from this situation, have been working with him. So tell us, what is Floyd? What does he look like? And what is the ideal home <laughs> for Floyd?
0: <laughs> so Floyd is an exact 50-50 pit bull American bulldog cross. He actually, you know, when his, his breed, you know, the breeding, when he was bred, it was not intentional. It was during one of the big hurricanes down there in Florida. And so it was, you know, just a fluke mistake breeding. So both the parents are known and, you know, their temperament and they're actually, um, I think the one dog is titled and and all that stuff, but Floyd is a, a brindle, dark brown brindle. He's got little white toes, little white feet, and he's got a white little strip down his nose. He is about, I think the last we weighed him, he's probably about 49 pounds because he he really was malnutritioned when I got him. I mean, he was a skeleton. I mean, if you guys look at those photos, when I got him, his legs were bent because he was stuck in a cat crate. And when those bones are growing, they bend, they bend. So he went through a lot of PT, a a lot of physical therapy, a lot of massage. He is a very affectionate dog. He loves rubdowns. I mean, I take him to the dog trials with me and, and he just wants anybody to touch him. He really is ideal. I would love to see him in kind of like a country setting. I mean, what I think he really thrived with, where he came from, there was no sunlight. They were inside. He was in a crate. Those dogs never saw the sun. So when he came to me at close to four months old, he would just sit out and sit in the sun. I would just let him stay out there for hours. On my porch, you know, while I did book work or I worked with other dogs. I mean, and I felt like in all his stressful time, he was doing nothing but catch up on sleep and sun. So I would really love to see him thrive in a more rural country environment. He loves his big yard. He, you know, he loves running. He's a very active dog. We started a little bit of some formal obedience. So he'll, he'll come with a little bit of training on him just because like the age that he's coming to it's time for enrichment. And he's great with other dogs. Ideally, I feel like he's best with somebody that, you know, doesn't have another male dog, because he's now very confident. And necessarily, he's around my male dogs all the time, but I don't allow contention. If I can explain that, I don't allow my boys to check each other, like ever. So what most pet people do is they allow too much of boys to pick on boys or girls to pick on girls. And so I would love to see him. I honestly would love to see him as an only pet, not because he's not go to other dogs is that I would love him to see this be the center of attention because I mean I have five dogs and so he's one of five on top of any other client dogs that I might have with me so but believe me he goes with the punches he rolls with it he loves traveling like whether it's in the doggy bus is what we call it um whether he's in the doggy bus with dogs he's super quiet he's a good traveler or he's in my I have a Volkswagen, sport wagon, I mean, he just sits in the back of the cargo area like like he was just here the whole time, you know, I mean, there's not a place I can't take him that he doesn't just walk right through like he owns it. (laughs) <laughs> like he's got well, he's a great personality, great personality.
1: He sounds like he would be a great dog for someone. You're making me think yeah. that I, I might need to add to my pack. So <laughs> <laughs> if you are interested in reading more about Floyd's story, and I so encourage you to do so, he's got just an incredible story and he's it just sounds like an amazing dog. Yeah, you
0: see- know, he's, a, he's a survivor and that's what, you know, I call him Mayweather. Because he had to fight, you know, I mean, he was probably close to death. And I honestly think because the other sibling didn't survive, I really think he was, it wasn't going to be that much longer before, you know, it would have been different. So oh. yeah, yeah. That's well, I mean, thank you, you for saving calls, him,
1: you know, thank you hey, for you saving him and taking him It, was, taking it him was,
0: was not me. I had a, a bunch of friends, bulldogger friends, that we just started asking about this girl, this Becky Wolf girl. And I'd said, I was like, this girl has had dogs disappear or turn up dead in the past. And so more enough, we started poking around and we realized there was a pattern. And so we did a surprise visit. And so it was really a shock to our whole bulldog community when everything got discovered. And then we had, there were clients coming out of the woodwork of dogs that she was taking in for training that turned up dead or oh. missing. That's why there's 49 counts of animal abuse and neglect. And there's more to it. It's not just Floyd's story. Yeah. So this is, I mean, but I really
1: is. encourage everyone listening to take a moment and read the, we're going to have the links up on this episodes page. Please read these stories. And, and you know, it got, it's just like everything else. I mean, if you see something, say something, if you are a, an animal lover and you are concerned because uh, a friend of you, yours took a dog to a kennel and something bad, haven't talked about it. I mean, there's no reason that you shouldn't be bringing it to people's, uh, the authorities' attention. I mean, that that's what has saved Floyd's life and will save thousands of other dogs' lives. We all have to yeah, work together. Bring attention to this. Yep.
0: I I just stepped up. I mean, people, I knew he was pulled from that situation. And I was like, you know what? This dog's going to need a lot of help. And he was right, you know, he was down there at a friend's training facility, but I knew he wasn't, he was getting interacted with and he was getting played with, but he wasn't getting the PT. You know, I have a lot of experience with the veterinary medicine, stretching, flexation, like just getting his legs straight. Yeah, he
1: needed that extra care. So it's um all rough. right,
0: so we're putting your walk on stone. <laughs> He didn't oh walk on grass because oh it hurt. Gosh. Poor guy.
1: Well, so I'm, I'm so happy. To, that, yeah, it's amazing. You know, he really, it sounds like he's come a long way and he is ready for his new adoptive home. So we are running out of time. I'm going to, right. uh, you know, I hope that, uh, if, like I said, if you are interested in reading about Floyd's story, visit us at PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the link to episode 121. And of course, if you're interested in adopting in general, I always encourage you to visit us at GetYourPet.com or go to your local shelter. I also want to tell our listeners about an exciting upcoming event at getyourpet.com we've actually just created our own national holiday called every dog day and we'll be celebrating it for the first time this november 15th and i hope you will join us the idea behind every dog day is to proclaim that every dog deserves love equally rather than just call out one breed or another as if it needs to be defended we i get your pet are inviting everyone to join the conversation celebrate every dog day with us by sharing a photo of your dog on social media and telling us and the world why they're the best dog regardless of their breed. In the past, Get Your Pet has participated in celebrating days like quote-unquote National Pit Bull Awareness Day or month. And the idea behind these days is to bring awareness to the misconceptions, the stereotypes, the stigmas surrounding dogs under the pit bull label. But we realized that in advocating for specific breeds like this, our well-meaning efforts might actually be contributing to the problem, unintentionally perpetuating the idea that pit bull type dogs are different from other dogs. So we came up with the idea of Every dog day. And to help every dog have their day, Get Your Pet is developed in every dog day contest. We ask you to visit us at everydogday.com for more information about the contest and how to win a gift card for your dog. If you have any questions about today's show or have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please email me at angela at petliferadio.com. I also encourage you to subscribe to Take Me Home on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Sandra Rollison, owner of Blitz Pet Professionals. Check out her website, BlitzPetPros.com, for joining us today. Also, big thanks to Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. I look forward to chatting with you all next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.